Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, it's been an up and down few weeks for the Badgers, and that continued. They've played, uh, of their last nine games, they've won five of them. They've lost four of them. It's been a pattern, at least in the last eight. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And uh, they did that again on uh, Wednesday night when they went to uh, Nebraska and got the win. It wasn't pretty. 61-48 came after a ugly loss at Illinois where they uh, shot 16% from three-point range. Weren't too much better against Nebraska. Uh, Jesse, I think they they uh, shot thirty two point three percent against Nebraska from the field. That was their best or their 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 worst shooting percentage in a game that they actually won since the very 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 well known game against Pitt in the twenty sixteen NCAA tournament that made you think how are either of these teams in the tournament? <laughs> I think that uh, it's pretty clear that if they played any other team in the league. They probably would have lost that game. They they shot terribly. They went five minutes without a point in the first half. And this is a Nebraska team that's 4-11 now, 0-8 in the conference, and lost 25 Big Ten games in a row, um, which is remarkable. But Wisconsin was able to win this thing, and, and it was desperately needed because it was coming off uh, a loss against Illinois that uh, had you questioning how in the world Wisconsin could be considered a contender to win the Big Ten. Um, I know we'll get more into that one. But, yeah, it wasn't very pretty, but it was a win against Nebraska, and and now the Badgers can continue on and and still fight for one of those top four spots in the league. They can, but where's your confidence? And we'll get into this a little bit deeper later on, but where's your confidence of them being able to finish that way? Because you look at their schedule – Versus Michigan on Sunday, it's currently still scheduled to go. Michigan has not played since January 22nd uh, due to a COVID shutdown within the entire uh, Wolverines athletic department. But they are uh, scheduled to play Michigan. They're number three in the country. Then they host Iowa on Thursday at Northwestern, home against Illinois, at Purdue, at Iowa again. It is a, you know, this five and four stretch where they haven't played their best basketball, not exactly a murderer's role. Like there's been some tough games, no doubt. Ohio State, obviously, and Illinois, and even Michigan going back. But relatively, compared to what they're going to be facing over the last six, that would have been a bit, a bit of a cakewalk. This is a crazy difficult closing stretch, as it's turned out for Wisconsin. And when we talked on the last episode, there were nine regular season games remaining, and we were debating whether Wisconsin would finish with a winning record. I said that they would. I said they'd go 5-4. and four. They're 2-1 and one so far, but th- this is the hard stretch because you just talked about it. Michigan right now is still in first place in the Big Ten, as you said, hasn't played in a few weeks, but 8-1. and one. We saw what happened the first time Michigan played Wisconsin. Illinois, which just beat the Badgers and, and had the two best players on the floor, and to me it wasn't even close, even though Dimitri Trice scored reasonably well. They're sitting there in second at 9-3. and three. Wisconsin's 9-5, and five, but Iowa's 8-5, and five, Purdue's 8-5. and five. Um, I think some of those games are toss-ups and others. Wisconsin's certainly going to be an underdog. My confidence level is not particularly high after watching how much Wisconsin has struggled offensively. And the other issue, which wasn't so much of a problem in the Nebraska game, but turnovers have been a, a, a little bit higher than than what we were have expected from Wisconsin. And they said on the broadcast uh, in the Nebraska game that the Badgers had gone five consecutive games coming into that one with double-digit turnovers, which was the first time that's happened in 
three or four years. So slightly concerning because they they had double digit turnovers, I believe, in the first half uh, against Penn State in one of those games. So I'm not <laughs> this is not the highest my confidence level has been in Wisconsin. Um, but we know they have the the players there to to finish strong down the stretch. They just they haven't shown it recently. They haven't. And again, this this nine game stretch, five and four, right? But the, the things that have been going wrong in that stretch, and you can point to the defensive end at, at points, certainly the Penn State game, the Michigan game. There have been uh, uh, other instances of it, Illinois as well. But I think like the biggest factor in this stretch, and I don't think it's particularly close, is their outside shooting. 100%. They are shooting 30% from three in this nine-game stretch. They were shooting over 40% in the first 12 games at 30% of the last nine games, including uh, 28%, I believe, uh, against Nebraska. But you look at the the um, the guys that are doing it too, right? It's it's like the, the guys that shoot the most are shooting the worst. Trice, Davison. And this is be I, – I haven't gone back and done the numbers since the Nebraska game, but I did it before the Nebraska game. And the, uh, the, the top five guys, Potter, Reavers, Aleem Ford, Trice, and Davison – we're shooting right around 28% from three in this nine-game stretch. That can't happen if you're going to have success. And one of them, or a number of them, have to catch fire. But I just don't like the, um, I don't like the history behind it, Jesse. Because <laughs> this is, uh, it's not a, I don't want to call it a cycle, but it's, it, it kind of is. Because if you go back, and we've talked about this before, the 2018-2019 season, where they got off to a hot start, right? They got off to the uh, hot start, shot well. I think they shot over 40% or 38%, 13 of their first 23 games. They were uh, number one in the country at one point shooting. I remember we, we I remember shows doing it that year, whether they could actually stay up that high. And uh, they didn't, obviously. They came crashing back. And, you know, in their final two games of the year, a loss of the Big Ten tournament and then a loss against Oregon in the first round, they were horrible. It was uh, it was horrendous, right? And then at the start of last year, it was kind of the same thing. They kept going. And then they caught fire at the end of last year over the last eight games, and it started into this year, and now you're back into that finishing uh, stretch. And I guess it's not even a finishing stretch. I mean, because this, this is now dating back nine games. So that's deep. That's uh, early January. You're back at this stretch where you're not shooting it. Can they come out of it is the biggest question I think that we have for this team. Can they come out of this shooting well? Because if they can't, they don't have a shot. I think the last time we we had this discussion, I when I was talking, the caveat was a bunch of ifs, right? Like if, if Trice is hitting, if Davison is hitting, if these guys are shooting well, if they can play good defense, if they don't turn the ball over, those are stacking up. And the more you have, the later in the season it gets, the less likely it seems like you're going to make a deep run. And, you know, I, we're reacting to what's been a poor stretch, and I, I want to go back to the fact that I know they're capable of more, and I think that's probably why, for fans, it's been a little bit frustrating considering how many games these guys have played together. But it is a huge concern, and and I think it's noteworthy to look at what Demetric Trice has done just from the outside because of, of how hot he's been at times, how much he's been the catalyst for this team earlier in the season, and he did have 22 points against Illinois. But he only made two of seven threes in that game. He only made two of seven threes against Nebraska. Didn't shoot it very well. And in those back-to-back games against Penn State, he scored six total points. He went scoreless in the second game against Penn State and was 0 for 7 on threes. And 
Davison had a game against in Illinois where he didn't score at all. He went 0 for 5 on threes, and you mentioned Nate Reavers. It's been astonishing how poorly he has shot from three-point range. If you look, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm no math major here, but in Big Ten games, I believe he's 4 for 27 on three-pointers, and he went 0 for 3 against Nebraska, 1 for 4 against Illinois. So that is a problem because those are supposed to be three of your better shooters on the team, and this is not the time to be doing that. Um, and that's one of the things that I think can make Wisconsin dangerous, obviously, because they've got a number of guys that can hypothetically score from outside, but it just, it has, for whatever reason, it hasn't come together here, and I'm not sure why. I feel like Trice and a guy that you didn't mention in that, that, that three is, is Micah Potter, right? He hasn't made a three since the Maryland game. He uh, didn't even shoot one last uh, against Nebraska, uh, has missed missed five against Illinois. It was bad, and he ended up... He ended up actually getting back to uh, to Madison that night. They drove back that night and got home at like 9.30, and he ended up going straight into the gym and staying there. And for anybody that doesn't know, like they have these machines there that you shoot, you know, and then the ball goes down and it, and it kicks it back out to you like it's a passer, it's a rebounder. and uh, Yeah, it's the gun. What? The gun, right? Yes, the gun. And he kept shooting and shooting and shooting until the gun malfunctioned. <laughs> that's great he so it was about midnight and he said he took that as a sign of god telling him to go home and go to get some sleep because this wasn't going to help him at all but either way he only i mean he only shot twice against nebraska none of those were three pointers but he's missed you know he was 0 for 5 against illinois 0 for 1 against uh, penn state the second game over three uh in the game uh in the first game against penn state so he and trice i think are the guys that if if it's going to get going and if it's going to get hot it's going to be them just because I think they uh, and, and maybe Davis to an extent as well. But I feel like those guys are the ones that can bring everybody else with them. Let me ask you this. Speaking of, of Potter, what did you think of Greg Gard's decision to to switch up the starting lineup again and go with Reavers over Potter? So that's the first time that Potter hasn't started this season. And why didn't and, and let me let me play Greg Gard here for you. And Jesse, am I playing you? Yes. And Jesse. Why do you think that is? Uh, his defense. Did you watch? Did you did you watch the games? <laughs> yeah. I, well, I just thought it was an interesting time to to make that move. I know Nate's been playing better. I just found it interesting. That's all. I'm just asking you. You know, happens late in the season, twenty games in. What did you think? Right, right. I, I thought it made sense because um, of the way that Nebraska uh, was going to challenge them defensively and. We saw uh, Micah struggle a little bit on that as well. It's not like Nate was perfect, um, but once they got settled in, I mean, they gave up 20 points in the first eight minutes and then gave up 28 the rest of the way. So it took it, it took a little bit for them to get settled in against Nebraska, who hit four th- hit their first, first four threes, then only hit one the rest of the game. I, I, it made sense to me because Nate seems to have found himself a little bit offensively, and if he's finding himself a little bit – Obviously, did not shoot it well um, against Nebraska. Nobody did, especially. I mean, and it's not even the outside shooting with Nate. Like there were some, a couple of bunnies missed. Um, yeah, that was just less than ideal. But either way, like him being in there, it made sense to me, and and I kind of and I, I agreed with it. You know, Nate went through his issues early 
in the Big Ten season and, and seems to have worked himself out a little bit. Like he's not, he doesn't look like he's just first playing basketball again. Like that, like there were times this year that he was, looked like he was playing the game for the first time. He doesn't look like that. Now, do, is he shooting it particularly well this past week or against Nebraska? He did not. But I, I feel like he's more in control. He feels more good about his offensive game and that makes sense to put him back in. Mike, on the other hand, is, is struggling right now. And so, yeah. If he's if he's not hitting his threes, it's hard to make an argument, or even scoring well, it's hard to make an argument for him to be in there a bunch. Yep, all valid reasons. I just wanted to get your take, and you're right. I mean, Mike is 0 for 9 on three since that Maryland game, but he did have a double-double the last time they played Nebraska. I know that was ages ago in this crazy season, like almost two months, but uh, I thought it was noteworthy, and I also thought it was interesting. I'm, I'm sure this was part of the coaching tactic, but if you notice, like, the first touch of the game to Reavers went inside for a dunk. Then when Potters came in, his very first touch, they made sure to get it to him in the post. And he, he, he scored a layup. And I mean, that's the way to get those guys going, especially if they haven't been shooting well from three. I have to imagine that those were part of a design. But, you know, for Wisconsin, I imagine you'd like to see that a little bit more. If they get easy touches inside with those guys, just to get them going and build some confidence because the three-point shooting hasn't been there at all. Right. No, there's no doubt. I feel like though, like th- those were few and far between, at least in the first half. Like they did not, they did not touch the post nearly enough in the first half, and it felt like in the second half it was kind of like a message that had been relayed relayed to them at halftime. Like get the ball inside, we'll work it inside, and, and they and they got some really good looks, and uh, they didn't go in. And, and Ravers was certainly not alone in that. But I think that just going back to the shooting aspect of it. It's got to be frustrating, I think, for the for the guys, certainly, and for the coaching staff, and for fans watching, because a lot of these shots are wide open. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I kept started a counter last night of open, open threes that were missed, and I lost count. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe that's a little bit on me, maybe that's a little bit on them, I don't know, but it's, uh, th- those open shots, th- we've seen them hit them. We've seen them hit him time and time again uh, over the last over. You know, a lot of these guys have been here for four. This is year four right now. Some for five, some of it's five. We've seen them hit these shots. We know they can do it. But can it happen quickly enough for them not to blow or to um, I don't want to say blow the season, but like to to not be able to take advantage of what is a huge huge opportunity with with this much experience and this what we know as a good shooting team that has fallen on extremely hard times at this point. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a theme we're going to continue to revisit this season. Um, and the more these game, kind of games stack up, the more you start to believe that maybe this is the Wisconsin team that you're going to see that first weekend in March. I mean, I, you, you just never know, and that's kind of the the fun of the whole tournament situation. But there's just been too many situations, and I, I feel like I've a broken record on this, where they go stretch after stretch without getting a point or a bucket i think they had in nebraska the first 10 minutes of the game seven straight empty possessions after davison missed a three there was just a lot of standing around and if it wasn't for lean ford getting fouled on a jumper from the left baseline which was a stupid foul uh they wouldn't have scored at all for six plus minutes they didn't get another field goal um until trice hit a three and that was like six minutes after davison hit a three in transition so that shouldn't happen against a team like Nebraska, and those five-minute stretches uh, just kind of will kill you <laughs> in the NCAA tournament. You just can't do that. All right, so we've we've hit on all the negative stuff from that Nebraska game. Let's talk on. Let's talk about some of the positive stuff because there was positive yeah. stuff, right? And I think it has to start with Jonathan Davis, who had ten points. 
and really had a huge a huge stretch to get them going. Hit a three pointer and then hit and then got an and one and then Demetri Trice hit a three pointer and it was a huge like dino run right there to to give them I think a ten point lead early in that second half. It was a it hasn't been every game. Um, he is averaging eleven points over the last three though, and he's shooting over fifty percent from the field. I don't want to call him an energizer bunny because he's not just doing that type of stuff, but he's certainly provided a jolt. Yeah, I, I just love his offensive game, and uh, you, the that was really the big swing to me when you mentioned it. That Davis buried this three from the left corner, gave Wisconsin a thirty-three twenty-seven lead, and then next possession he drives from the left side across the lane. He gets a layup and a foul. He hits that, and Wisconsin's got a, a nine-point lead. So it goes from a one-possession game to a three-possession game, and Nebraska really didn't threaten much after that. But even some of the other plays, it's a, a baseline drive and a really difficult reverse layup, and that was one of his first touches of the game. He's a scorer, man. He's the, This is why he's the state player of the year. This is why he's playing as a true freshman, and he can do it at all three levels. Um, you know, I think he still struggles sometimes defensively. I think physically and just staying in front of guys, he, he, he tends to to stack up some fouls, but I mean, that that's okay for a true freshman. Just the, the skills that he has offensively are really special. And it makes you wonder how many more minutes he can get in different situations because he was the team's leading scorer off the bench and he only played 18 minutes. Yeah. And he also closed the game out with a block and a steal on back-to-back possessions. I mean, it's not like the game was necessarily in doubt. I mean, it was, it was the, I think it was a, like a 10 point game when he was doing that stuff, but it, it essentially uh, proved to be the dagger. So he he was doing it at both ends last night. Uh, I know certainly his defense at times, like most young guys, right, uh, are going is going to struggle at times, but he's just so athletic that he can make up for mistakes uh, a lot of the times as well. So he was, he was obviously, he's had three fouls. He's had, I didn't mean to cut you off Zach, but just uh, he he's had three, at least three fouls and, like six straight games and he fouled out of the first Penn state game. And so I think that's part of the maturation process of being a freshman. Uh, that's a lot of fouls. <laughs> Don't need to be a math major for that one. You're right. That, that, that's yeah, a lot of fouls. Three fouls in the last six games. Yeah. Um, right there. That's obviously not, not ideal. That being said, so he was obviously a positive. And I think then the other positive uh, at least off the bench, was Trevor Anderson, giving them I mean, uh, his three-point shooting and then also put the ball in the deck uh, a couple of times, got to the hole, even got the N1, you know, the floater to go. That was uh, as athletic of a play as I think we've seen him make uh, in his career at Wisconsin. I think he's been really solid in that backup point guard role. He's been everything. Oh, I'm sorry. That wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't an N1. He didn't get fouled, did he? No, on the, the floater where he was like on the left side and wound up sort of under the basket. I don't know how he got that thing to go. But yeah, I think he's been he's been everything they could have wanted from the backup point guard spot. He shot the three really well. He, you know, doesn't turn the ball over. He makes smart decisions, plays sound defense, and every once in a while he can get you eight or ten points. Um, you know, he had nine against Penn State a, a week ago, and then he had eight against Nebraska. So another good effort from him and uh, another key contributor off the bench that's going to continue to get important minutes. He is. Uh, so, I mean, do you want to talk about anything else about the Nebraska game? I thought, I mean, we they obviously locked in on defense after that first stretch and and got it done. Uh, but again, the, the story of the game, as much as you want to talk about Jonathan Davis and, and the, the good contribution he gave them and Trevor Anderson gave them, it's all going to come back down to shooting. And that is what, these, these, this, what this last month is going to be about. 
I mean, there's nothing else I want to discuss on the Nebraska game. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised we managed to get this much out of that. To me, the most interesting game of the three-game stretch since we last talked about the team was that Illinois game just because that was a matchup against a a good <laughs> Big Ten team. That's a Final Four team. That's a, that is a, that's a Final Four team. Yes. I mean, I said before, they had the two best players on the floor. Kofi Cokeburn had like seven or eight dunks. It was ridiculous. And then uh, Desumu had a triple-double. I mean... Those guys were unstoppable, and that, that, uh, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I, I guess I am. I, I, that Wisconsin defensively has had so many issues, but it goes again back to terrible shooting. They went four for 24 from three, so you're never going to win a game shooting that poorly from the outside. No, you're not. And that was another, like the Nebraska game, there were so many open shots. There were just so many open shots. And that's kind of why I started kept keeping the, uh, the the ticker against Nebraska because uh, the Illinois game just had a ton of that. And so, but no, those two guys, they shouldn't be in college basketball right now, right? Like, I mean, and I, and I wonder if they are, if the NCAA tournament doesn't get canceled last year. Maybe, maybe Coburn is, but DeSumo is a NBA, I, I don't know about, I don't know about a lottery pick, but he's a first round pick. And, uh, I mean, they shouldn't be in college basketball right now. That they are, they are off the charts, and they're starting to play some of their, their obviously their best basketball of the year. I mean, I wasn't necessarily surprised that they had that much success, but I mean, Coburn had 14 rebounds, and I think Wisconsin finished with 19 as a team. Like <laughs> that, uh, that was just pure domination. And I don't know exactly how Wisconsin changes that dynamic when they come back and play them later this year at the Kohl Center. I don't know what changes other than Wisconsin perhaps be able to stay with them offensively and make some shots. I honestly, yeah, that, that's that's about it is if they can shoot better from three. But Wisconsin was out-rebounded 46-19. to 19. I don't have the record book in front of me, but I would love to know the last time that a Wisconsin team was out-rebounded by 27. And Illinois had 11 offensive rebounds. It was just, yeah. The, I mean, Greg Gard said it after the game, too. Like, those guys, those two guys were on another level. And when you have players that are that good, that can make the difference in making a Final Four run. And that's why Illinois is where it is and, you know, still has a chance to win the Big Ten. Um, they just, it was like they were in another league. Who's the, be- who's the best team you've seen in the Big Ten this year? Is it, uh, is it Illinois or is it, is it Michigan? I'm inclined to go with Michigan, but... Or is it Ohio State? I'm inclined to go with Michigan at this point, but I also think, I don't know exactly... I mean, what are they going to look like after this long layoff? It's just a very unusual season, but they they tore apart Wisconsin too, so... And they're sitting there in first place in the Big Ten for a reason, so it's it's two Final Four contenders with, with Illinois and Michigan, and they seem to be separating themselves as the best teams in the league, even though I've been banging the Iowa drum hard uh doesn't look like that that's going to come to fruition um but I'm looking forward to seeing Iowa play Wisconsin twice here in the in the stretch here in the stretch run what what is Garza going to do to that to the inside of that defense uh 40 points I mean what what could we realistically set the over under at I, I'll set it at 24 and a half does that sound too low yes I'll take I'll take he's averaging 25 a game yeah I mean it, yes he's he's he could go for 30 and 15, if not more. I just just the way it is. Now, they don't play any defense, but will it matter if Wisconsin can't make open shots? Who knows? Um, I mean, Iowa lost four or five for a reason. And it wasn't because of their offense. 
Um, and, it's, and it's why I think their ceiling, as good as they are all offensively, their ceiling, I, I th- think, is limited just because they can't defend. And Michigan can, and Illinois can. So, uh, like, those, if I'm, if I'm ranking Final Four contenders among the Big Ten teams, Michigan, I mean, for me, Illinois is one, Michigan would be two, Ohio State would be three, and Iowa would be four. Yeah, Michigan one you had? Yeah. I think I would have that as well. I mean, you know, Dickinson's been fabulous, and, and Liver, Livers and Wagner are averaging double figures too, and I felt like Mike Smith was like one of the, the best players on the floor when he was out there, the the transfer who, who played really well against Wisconsin. So they've got a lot of pieces there, and I think that that's – that's why they have a chance to do something special. Yeah, they they uh I think all I certainly think Michigan and Illinois are final four contenders. I think uh Ohio State has a shot and then Iowa if it I mean if it stays as I mean if it gets hot offensively I guess, but I just I don't trust that defense especially in the tournament, especially if they have if they struggle struggle offensively at all in, in, in a tournament game. Their defense is not going to save them. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So did, did we talked about this already, but I, I don't think I ever got an actual record out of you here for Wisconsin over the last six games. What do you got? Well, I feel like I don't want to renege on my previous statement that over the last nine they'd go five and four. So they're two and one. Uh, I'm going to go three and three. <laughs> you tell me which wins they get. Okay, they beat Northwestern. I think they split this Michigan and Iowa home uh, little stretch here. So that's two. So, so that would put them at uh, what four and two in going into the last three games, where they'd have Illinois at home, Purdue in West Lafayette, and Iowa in Iowa City. So somewhere in there, they get that other that that other win, and they go five and four down the stretch. Since you're putting me on the spot, uh, Purdue because there's no fans. Could you also see them winning all of one game in this last six? No, I don't. I I really don't. I just don't think. I just don't think Wisconsin goes one and five down the stretch, even though they've been mediocre at, at times. Um, I would be very surprised. I, I think they're an underdog in in five of the six games. I think. You you might be right, but I also think it's sort of a toss up in some of those games. So I, I I would be stunned honestly if they went one and five. I think they'll go three and three. Okay, we'll see. Certainly, I, getting Michigan coming off a, a near month layoff it can't hurt too much, right? Like that, if you're going to play them, I guess play them there. And the, the the teams that have had to shut down and then come back have not played overly well, especially offensively. The, uh, the Penn State, Nebraska, and uh, who's the other one? Michigan State. Then again, those teams aren't very good to begin with. So uh, when we last saw Michigan, they were the best team in the Big Ten. And until they show otherwise, I think you have to kind of believe that to be the case. So, uh, and again... What's your pick, by the way, for the last six? What do you got? Do you think I asked that question about winning one game just off the top of my head? Well, you didn't definitively say, I think they're going to go one and five. So let's lay it out there on the record. Oh, I'm just so... I I, I know what's going to happen here. There are the, I, I'm going to say one and five, and then they're going to go start five and one. <laughs> they're going to go. They're going to start shooting uh, well again. You know, what I mean, they're going to they're going to start putting the back uh, the ball in the basket from deep, and and all of a start hit, shooting forty uh, percent from three again. And then all then all bets are off on on their ceiling overall because if they're they're that if they're shooting that way, pff, I think they can play with a, a lot of the really good teams in the country. Um, it, which is, I guess, is probably saying uh the obvious there 
but I'm gonna say two and four. I think they probably I think they beat Northwestern and then maybe they find one other win in those other games. Maybe Purdue. Uh, yeah. Again, the confidence that I have uh, of them being able to turn this round is not very high, but I'm not gonna be surprised if they do. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I, I'm glad you you made a pick here. I, I put it out there. I put it. Hey, I put it out there. I said. I said. Two, I said two and four. That would put him at a unimpressive seventeen and ten regular season record going into the Big Ten tournament. I mean, there's no there's no concern here not going to the tournament unless they you know lose all six or something. But I don't see that happening. But you're kind of starting to backslide a little bit. Like now they're listed as a five seed uh, in the NCAA tournament and. Uh, you just don't want to be going backwards at this time. Well, they've been going backwards for six weeks. They've been uh, they they have dropped in the they have been they have dropped on the poll in the poll in the in the AP top twenty five six straight weeks. That's I don't know how I don't know if that's not backsliding. I don't know what is. Uh, obviously, that is irrelevant when it comes to the NCAA tournament and their seed. Uh, it's more about the net rankings, obviously, f- for them than the AP ranking, but. Uh, do you do you envision a four seed or better in the NCAA tournament, or are we, is now the uh, over under four and a half, or maybe we should even drop it a little bit more? Over under five and a half. I'll ooh, man, that is really hard. Over under four and a half, I definitely would have taken worse than a four seed, but you know, I don't know. I maybe the ceiling is five. I don't know. This is just such a difficult closing stretch, and you look, and they're right now they're they're eighteen in the net rankings, which is pretty darn good. Um, but, you know, you've got four other teams in the Big Ten that are in the top, like, top eight. <laughs> Michigan's three, Illinois' four, Ohio State's seven, and Iowa's eight. So there's a lot of quality teams there, um, and they've got to play three of those four in the closing stretch. So I don't know. I think they'll wind up as a five, though, if they can go 500 down the stretch, but they're a couple really quality wins against top ten type teams man this is playing out exactly like two years ago yeah, drop dropping down to a five seed they're gonna draw oregon and then uh yeah bad matchup they'll say yes bad matchup and it'll be the favorite uh 5 12 game and wisconsin will lose like they did to oregon no uh but it- here you go though bracketology as we speak wisconsin a five seed in uh the indianapolis region as they all are 12 seed, either Oregon or VCU. Of course. So wouldn't that be something if they play Oregon for the 100th time in the NCAA tournament? There is not a single Wisconsin fan that wants to see that game. Well, I beg to differ. I think they just want to see an NCAA tournament. But, yes. I want to see I want to see an NCAA tournament, but if you're a Wisconsin fan and you want to make it to the second round, don't be the five game. Don't be the five seed. Be a, be a six. Be a seven. Be an eight. Just don't be, don't be a five. Okay. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Hey, I'm just telling you. No more Peyton Pritchard, as far as I know. Yeah, you know what? He wasn't necessarily the huge issue there that night. Uh, it was the shooting. And um, I don't know if you've noticed or not, Jesse. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about it at all today. But Wisconsin can't hit the broadside of a barn from outside, outside the arc right now. So that, that would be an issue, Peyton Pritchard or not. Yeah, well, let's uh, – I just – hope we get an opportunity to talk about the NCAA tournament, which I know, I know we will, but two years in the making. Yes, no, we definitely will. Here's, uh, um, we, this is not the NCAA tournament, but the Big Ten tournament uh, made some news 
uh, late last week announcing that it was, or earlier this week, announcing that it was going to uh, move it from Chicago to Indianapolis. I feel like it's kind of just like a dry run uh, for the NCAA tournament, but they're going to be playing the games at uh, Lucas Oil Stadium and uh, easier on the testing for, for all the players. And I think it just makes a ton of sense to do it. Yeah, I, 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 it's the right call in, in a year where everything's being played in Indianapolis anyway. So um, I'm glad they made the decision. And it's going to be a really fun Big Ten tournament this year with so many good teams. I mean, there's nine teams right now that are projected to be in the NCAA tournament from the league. And, and there's no other conference in the country that has more than seven. So it, once again, proving it's the, the toughest conference in the country. It definitely is, and uh, you know we'll we'll see again how it uh, is going to play out. Uh, one more thing from the Nebraska game that was brought up uh, by uh, some Twitter folks, and I don't know if you saw it. I actually did not see it. I turned the game off late. I saw it. I know the question. Okay, but I I, I did not see it. I, I turned it off. No, I didn't turn it off. I uh, I was watching it on my computer, and I was I was trying to get. I was looking at the stats, and uh, I missed apparently. Some interesting free throws from Carter Higginbottom. Yeah. Can you explain exactly what happened there? I went I went back and I actually found them, and I don't really know how to explain that. Well, look, he is a college walk-on, so I, I don't want to, you know, speak ill of someone who's paying his own way and trying to just, you know, be a part of the basketball program. There seemed to be a hitch in the giddy-up, but I, I will say I'm not particularly surprised based on <laughs> way back when when we got to see practices uh and watching his shooting form it's kind of always been that way so yeah it was uh, probably not the, the the finest moment or finest two free throws but i can't say i was overly surprised by the form i'll be honest i uh when i when i watched him back i chuckled not at the the, the free throw itself but a- after the first one he started blowing on his hands like his hands were cold. Like it was. That's that's what it was. <laughs> that's that's that was the issue with the shot. Yeah, it. He does have a funky motion. You're right. Now that I now that I think about it, yes, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that uh, that that was everyone's introduction to his free throw shooting. Um, we we know. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, you're right. He's a walk on. He's a guy that uh, is uh, part of the bench mob and part of the guys that are trying to get them uh, jacked up with the crowd with no crowd being there. So. His role is not to hit free throws, but certainly that was among the uh, the more notable uh, aspects of the end of that game. Yeah, I saw, I don't know if we we're going to do more questions, but I, I saw an interesting question when you asked for them about what the best lineup was for Wisconsin. I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, question because there's a lot of options and maybe we could explore that. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So obviously... Obviously, they've they've used a bunch of different ones, and it's usually I mean the starting lineup is not always one that is that is finishing out there. Certainly, um, it, it's kind of I think it I shouldn't say irrelevant. We've talked about this before. I don't know how irrelevant it is who's starting and who's and, and who's coming off the bench, but it's usually in cl- in crunch time who's on the floor. And I think probably the the biggest surprise out of this whole year, and it probably shouldn't be at this point, is just how much. Uh, confidence they have in Jonathan Davis to be on the floor uh, whenever it is, and usually uh, Tyler Wall out there with him too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say about Davis. There was a stretch uh, in the second half. This was just one instance, but you had you had Trice, Davison, Davis, and then you had Aleem Ford at the four and Potter at the five. Obviously, I, I think 
from what we've seen and what we've discussed, the best lineup does not involve uh, Potter and Reavers on the floor. So then you have to ask which of those two makes them the best. Um, and some of it is probably uh, e- either feel or how someone's doing right now, right? Because as you said, Potter hasn't shot very well. Reavers is starting to play better. So I suppose I'd be inclined to pick Reavers against certain teams and in certain matchups. But I think I would want Davis on the floor and... Maybe it's also a question of are they better offensively or defensively? Because Wall gives them so much defensively, and and he's picked up his offensive game, but but Johnny just gives them a a little bit different dynamic. So that's kind of me hemming and hawing, but definitely saying I would want Johnny Davis on the floor uh, and and Trice, and you can go from there. <laughs> Whoever your other three would be. Well, I know, yeah, no, it's I mean. You're right. It does depend on what they're trying to get done. You would think better off, and I, and I guarantee you, well, we're going to have people t- telling us exactly what lineups are better analytically. Certainly, this is just strictly from a feel standpoint. But when it when it's when you're trying to get some stops, uh, when you're, you're trying to have your best defensive lineup uh, out there, Trice, Davison, Davis, Wall, and Reavers would be your would be your. Uh, Lineup and this, it's the one that we saw at the end, the end of the uh, Indiana game, right? The one that they they just rode and rode until the end because uh, he was going to. What, what a great guard said. He said uh, we, we were either going to play until they fouled out, fouled out, or fell over. That was that was going to be their lineup. Offensively, maybe it's a little bit different, um, especially if if Michael Potter's hitting his shots from the outside and Aleem is playing aggressively. If you get Aleem, if you get an aggressive Aleem and, and Michael Potter is feeling good from from the outside, then those would be two guys I want. I would want on the floor instead of Reavers and and um, and a Wall. Right. I, I this is all part of what makes Wisconsin so versatile potentially and so frustrating because they haven't played to that level when they've got this number of guys that you think should be able to, to thrive. But that's college basketball, I feel like, in, in 2021. I mean, Wisconsin, obviously, not the only team that's looks good one night and, like it, as you said, can't hit the broad side of the barn another night. But, uh, yeah, they're going to have to figure it out because, as we've mentioned, this six-game stretch, five of those six games against some really quality Big Ten teams that are NCAA tournament teams. Yeah, and, and again, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. They uh, get Michigan on Sunday, hopefully. Hopefully that game is, gets played, and then it's Iowa at home. Um, gosh, wouldn't it be nice, uh, for Wisconsin's sake, but also just for the, the, the environment around it, to be able to have fans at the Kohl Center for, for either of these games. Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd be much more bullish on their chances, and I know it's, 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 it's probably not analytically correct or whatever, but I'd be so much more bullish on their chances of winning that game uh, this Sunday and winning the Iowa game and winning the Illinois game at home, if it was just going to be the normal fans in the stands and people going crazy against you know potential top ten teams. Yep, those are the games every year that you kind of live for if you are a Badgers fan because those are the ones at the Kohl Center where it's like totally rocking and and everything that uh, the Kohl Center can be. But obviously, that's that's not what we're going to have. At least, hopefully, we're going to have the games and uh, we'll see how it plays out. We will. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. Until next time, you've been listening to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.